again, I don't remember where it was, but like it was a Black Lives Matter protest going down their street and they were standing outside with their guns going to go protecting their protecting their house. Yeah, I think it was maybe Jordan Klepper. He was like, I never thought I'd say this, but they didn't fire their guns. Be like them. (laughs) We've gotten to the point where the racist white folks standing outside with their guns as the Black Lives Matter protests walked by, that's the bar now. That, yeah, that's the model for the other white right? folks who might consider shooting. Yeah, stand with your gun, but don't shoot. Welcome to episode 257 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brew pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. On today's episode, the Reverend Ogan Holder and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, will address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. And whether you're a longtime listener or new to the show, you can get even more content through our Patreon subscription here, post and pre-show banter, not in that order, but some extra conversations like, um, what did we talk about today? Oh yes, Brian's, Brian's little town is being visited by Hollywood royalty and he doesn't have a bathroom. <laughs> Those two things aren't related, but they're both true. Um, so yeah, fun conversations around that. And we also do a little catching up on succession, um, spoiler alert, succession, um, in the pre-show as well. So, uh, some extra conversations like that, and you can become a patron at patreon.com slash BT live. And as a thank you, while supplies up, while supplies last, we will send you your very own pub theology live, uh, pint glass. Brian is showing it here on the video. Um, Ooh. and you can also tune in and watch us live. When we do the show um, to see stuff like that. So, anyways, uh, patreon.com slash PT Live. And we are, as always, so grateful to our current patrons. Yes, we are. Today, we will discuss peace and holiness, good conversation, and the golden rule. Now, we are absent uh, Shannon today. She's out of town. So, it's Ogan and I uh, at the mics. And what are you drinking today, Ogan? Um, I am back in the DC metro area just in time for a crisp spring day. So I'm going with uh, Angry Orchard's crisp apple hard cider. Uh, the reason, the main reason I'm going with this because I'm at a friend's house and she does not have any beer in her fridge. Just uh, basically vodka and hard cider. I There you go. I have lots of questions, but um, that's what I'm going with today. Angry Arch. I haven't had one of these in a really long time. Yeah, they're not bad. That'll work. So I look forward to that. What do you got? Uh, Today, I am drinking an Oval Beach Blonde Ale by Saugatuck Brewing. Uh, This is brewed uh, about 20 minutes, uh, actually less than that, really like 10 or 15 minutes south of where I live. Saugatuck is the town on the lakeshore just south of Holland. So it's a good... nice. Um, how do they describe this? Oh, here's how they describe it. Just picture it. You're on the beach, water on your toes and the wind in your hair. There's a breeze coming in over the lake and all you can smell is fresh air. The sun is warm on your face and you're completely relaxed. 
Are you there yet? Well, crack this can and we'll help bring you to your happy place in the sun. None of that's happening where you live right now. <laughs> it's, <laughs> and, it's snowing. It's what? Yes. As I opened that beach theme mm. here, uh, we had snow this morning uh, in Michigan. So there you go. Welcome spring. There, there you go. A fun adventure when you don't have a work in bathroom. Pre-show. Go to the pre-show. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. Oh, my goodness. On to today's topics. Okay, so uh, interesting question um, opener, which is what is the funniest thing a guest has done at your house? And since you're currently a guest in someone else's house, you could also spin it around. What is the funniest thing you've done as a guest? Um, I don't know about funny, but I know this is a thing I used to do and I still struggle to stop myself from doing it. I am one of those people that believes the toilet paper roll has to come over the top. Yes. Sort of deal. And I'm that person when I go to someone's house and it's not that way, I will flip it around. Right. right? I'm, I'm, I'm that, I'm that. You're like, being a good guest. I'm being a good guest. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I tell myself. Let me help you. Let me help you hang your toilet paper the right way. And exactly. it, you know, it took me quite a while to realize that it doesn't matter. And I'm just being anally retentive. Um, <laughs> good, good location for it, but being anally, anally retentive. Um, and I should maybe not do that, but I can't not notice it right. when I go in, when I go in bathrooms as well. So, so I think that's, that's, that's the one thing. Um, but generally I like, I'm, I think I'm a good house guest in that I never, I never impose myself, although I say this as I'm drinking my friend's hard cider without having asked her about it. So I was going to ask. (laughs) (laughs) She's been gone all day and I forgot. I forgot to ask about, you know, and then I lost track of time. I had to move some things around schedule wise. I lost track of time. Couldn't get up to buy beer. I was like, all right, I'm not going to open a whole bottle of wine, but hey, we got some hard cider and there's more than one can. If it was the last can. I'd be a bad guest, but there's more than one can. There's so more I than think. one. And it's hard cider. It's not like it's, it's like exactly. a top shelf, you know, exactly. Stout or exactly. Something. Yeah. yeah. No, no slam on Angry Orchard. You make a fine product. But, right. You know, you know where you stand. Exactly right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, so that's, that's what I've done. I think, I think the, maybe the funniest thing that has happened um, as a homeowner when a guest has come is and this is a this is a true story uh we once lived in a house where the basement was partially finished we got a, got a good deal on the house the basement was partially finished and we woke up one day to a friend of ours who come to stay they took it upon themselves to get some paint and just start painting like didn't ask us anything what they just they like they, what? Because the, the previous owners, they'd started working on the basement and had left some cans of paint and stuff in storage. So, uh, yeah, the house guests, they went, popped open a can, and, like, we woke in the morning going, you smell you smell something weird? Like, what, what is that smell? You know, paint fumes? And they're slapping paint on the walls. And we're like, what is happening? And like, we thought we'd help out. <laughs> like, oh, we 
<laughs> and was Joy downstairs like sticking her palms in the paint and like leaving marks all over? Uh, no such luck, Joy. Joy was still Joy was still asleep, but it was it was an odd thing. It was an odd thing to wake up to. That is odd. Yeah, wow. but you know, people people trying to be helpful. How how about you? So when we lived in D.C., we had uh, a bigger house with some extra bedrooms. And so we'd often get people, you know, coming to D.C. and needing a place to stay. And we had a group of college students come uh, one particular weekend. And one of them went upstairs to use the bathroom. Uh, Unlike my current house, that house had three bathrooms. (laughs) But the person was upstairs uh, using the bathroom. And we didn't see her for a while. Like a long time i think it was like an hour and a half to two hours and suddenly Whoa. we heard like some whimpering she had managed to lock herself in and couldn't figure out how to open the door and felt too <laughs> embarrassed to call down to us oh my god she just sat in the bathroom for like almost two hours miss like conversation what, what kind of hosts are you guys that you let that much time go by <laughs> well it was next to one of the rooms they were staying in so i just thought oh gotcha oh, maybe they went to know, the room okay gotcha she's gotcha in the room she's on her laptop you know i it didn't occur to me like that they're trapped because <laughs> it was an older house and it had kind of the the janky doorknob and yeah not always clear how to lock and unlock it wow she managed to get it kind of jammed and then <laughs> We kind of heard like soft crying. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. So we had to go rescue her and she felt terrible. But I think Christy and I felt worse. We're like, yeah, we felt like horrible hosts. Oh my God. I think I, I I think I think you guys get a pass the way you explained it that way, but still, I yeah, that's I can't imagine what goes through a person's mind to say I would rather sit here for over an hour than call for help. Yeah, and it was a group of like six to eight people. So it wasn't always super, who we didn't know. So it wasn't always super obvious is everyone here or not here, you know? Oh my God. That's crazy. man. All right. So perfect transition. Hebrews 12, 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So there's kind of two parts to this text, live at peace with everyone, which is a lovely sentiment. And then it sort of adds on to that first part and be holy. And then the second part is without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So I guess, you know, how do you do that? Uh, Live in peace with everyone, but also what is, what do you imagine in the author's mind is the connection between holiness and living at peace? So, so how does one define being holy? What does that mean? Right. Right. And it's, you know, if we take it to the, I guess, generic face value of being Christ-like, God-like, um, I think it's, I find it, I find it hilarious that we have to make that distinction of live in peace and be holy as if living in peace with others was not intrinsically part of being holy. Right. So we gotta, we gotta spell out that those are the, don't, those are two distinctly different things one so it's almost implying that one can be holy without living in peace with someone and and we've seen that we've We've seen seen efforts for that (laughs) we've seen that like in the you know from from the days of the bible till now very holy people 
quote unquote holy people not living at peace. So I'm guessing I'm guessing you can't assume one will come with the other or that living at peace with someone makes you holy. I'd like to think that it does. So for me, holiness is is again, I interpret that as living, living the to the fullest extent the divine attributes that are inherent to me. And we can define those however way we want, whether it's love or peace or compassion, you know, however you right. define define those divine attributes to be holy is to live those, not um you know, from a sense of obedience or obligation or even praise and reverence to God, but simply because I believe that's that's the um, unspoken directive and purpose for us being here to to be holy. Yeah. So how do you, I like that a lot. How would you compare that to how this would have been read or defined in your earlier evangelical days? Well, it would just be obedience to God's laws and scriptures, right? So, you know, holiness meant following the Ten Commandments, following the directives, uh, go, you know, even the even the commission to go preach and proselytize. That was holiness. And and part of the holiness was also like the praise and worship idea. How how pious was I? How much right, you know, how much praying did I did did I do? How how loud did I sing? How public displays of holiness. Yeah. How fervent did I cast out demons and lay hands on people? You know, all that that stuff was in a lot of holy. like, right? And a lot of like, don't do bad stuff. You know, don't exactly don't drink, don't have sex, don't play cards, don't you know, dance, don't go to movies. I mean, depending on your you know right level of sort of conservative Christian sect, you know, any of the above could have been on that list. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but uh, to the point I made earlier that would not necessarily make you at peace with everyone because mm. the people who didn't do the things that you considered holy, it was now your job to either convert them or, or, you know, condemn them. Right. Right. Either of those two scenarios aren't very peaceful propositions. So, so, but I think the author here is realizing, okay, like regardless of, our own self-imposed idea of piousness and holiness. What's more important is we get along with each other. Otherwise, as we've already seen, it's going to come to blows. It's going to come to death. It's going to come to wars. You know. Yeah. Otherwise, it's kind of like this charade of, of piety, and it's not the real thing. Exactly. Exactly. So for me, the, so that part about, Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Right. For me, seeing the Lord is this idea of seeing the divinity in others, right? When we yeah. see those divine attributes also remembering and realizing they also exist in everyone else. And not only is it our, again, directive to see that in them, but also to help them, mostly by modeling it myself, to, to play those out as well. So without, without my holiness, without me living those divine attributes, it may not encourage others to live their divine attributes. And therefore, I don't see God in them. I don't see God being played out by either, either of us. So, so, so we need the holiness and realizing that everyone's not going to have that same list of divine attributes. 
everyone doesn't believe in the same God. Mm. Everyone isn't on the same page with what that holiness and live in that holiness means, but we shouldn't be at war with each other over it. Yeah, I love that. And I I think that's a, a healthier reading of this than, you know, certain readings, which will have that sort of stricter, narrower view of holiness. It sort of reaffirms that, oh, well, if you don't live according to our rules, you're not going to get into heaven or you're not really part of the, you know, the the saved or or the believing circle or or whatever and it can be used in a controlling way but you describe it much more as a, as a, a living holistically authentically in a way that seeks to honor people and and respect and love them exactly and i think and i think a lot of this um my ways the right way um, approach to holiness is what is at the root of a, of a lot of our unfortunately it's being hijacked to mm. be at the root of a lot of our you know political discourse and our right. national national discourse from the extreme of like christian nationalism but even things are only anti-abortion anti-trans laws that are uh, you know trying to pass there's this there's this undercurrent that there's some you know, religious imperative or directive under it, which is not really there at all, but it's manufactured in that way. Those put those people pushing them those laws are tending to be self-described more holier, right? So right. so you know it's it's a it's a harmful extension of the whole like what is it focus on the family nonsense from back in the day and you know all all of that. It's just it's just being it's just being blown up. And again part of that living in peace i think is acknowledging that there are different ways people are going to define and play out holiness and it's okay to let them but it becomes a problem then when we try to enforce our views and ways on on others right and put others in in harm's way especially yeah yeah yeah, I hear you. You say focus on the family back in the day. Well, it's still the current day in these parts because just within the last two years, focus on the family opened a quote unquote Christian bookstore in downtown Holland. Get out of here, really? Not, I didn't think not, they were still a thing. I, apparently, it is. So there what? you go. There you go. Wow. All right. So next, we've got a quote by John O'Donohue. The I want to say. Irish poet, maybe Scottish. Maybe Scottish. We got we got to look that up. I'm gonna look it up and get it right because we don't want to. I know he's <laughs> fantastic, and I love his work. Um, we'll make sure to check on Irish. That. He's Irish. I got it right the first time. There you go. The Irish go. poet John O'Donohue, who sadly has passed, but he wrote, uh, "Good conversation is the enemy of falsity, facade, and shallowness." It chases the truth of things. It demolishes the flimsy foundation of facade and it penetrates the depths so as to soar into unfolding possibility. So, yeah, what are the prerequisites to having what he calls good conversations? And is there uh, a certain setting or certain folks that you find yourself more naturally doing that? And, and why do you think that is? Um, I think to align with the premise of the show, I think bear is a good prerequisite uh, for a good conversation. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, 
or, or, you know, some sort of social lubricant. <laughs> Simply, you know, not too much of a social lubricant. Otherwise, people will be sliding all over the place, slipping all over the place. Uh, right. Things get too slippery. Um, uh, but in just enough to get folks a little relaxed, maybe not as defensive and touchy, you know. Um, and maybe as, willing to be a little more honest and vulnerable. That too. That too. And brave. And brave. And brave. Um, yeah. And brave as well. But I think I think the hallmark of a good conversation is more listening than talking. Boom. Boom. I think that's well said. And uh and I think there has to be an atmosphere of of trust and safety. Like if you feel like you're not with people who are are there who care for you who have your best interests in mind who will hold whatever it is you might share um without sort of pouncing or immediately critiquing doesn't mean you can't be challenged or pushed back of course that can happen in good conversation but the fact, but sensing that there's respect for who I am as an individual uh, and respect for my experience, even if there's disagreement about whatever it is we might be talking about. Yeah, definitely. And, and also a sense of, um, um, or lack of desire or rightness, you know, um, to your point about, yes, we can be challenged and we can come in with opposing views but if but if we step away from the goal of trying to uh and i and i'm not always good at this but but making the other person wrong or trying to convince them to come to my side of the issue and it's really hard it's really hard when they're really wrong like you know like when you no doubt. when when you're when you're having a conversation like sometimes i do um with with some male friends who who whether they are aware of the level of sexism that they possess and will say things like you know the patriarchy doesn't exist or if the patriarchy was <laughs> my favorite if the patriarchy was really such an issue issue why aren't women doing something about it oh. you know when when people say things like that it's like it's like really hard to not to have a conversation that doesn't devolve into yelling, right? Or <laughs> right. Or making or making them wrong. And and as I say it out loud, it's it's, you know, how do we draw the distinction between like, okay, you are you are, I guess, a good person, but you or you are you're entitled to your view, but it's a bad view. <laughs> So like, should I, should I walk away with you still holding that view or like, how do you have a, I guess that's, a, that's the question. How do you have a good conversation with someone who is holding to a belief that, that invites or maintains a system of oppression that harms others? That's where I have struggles. Yes, I, absolutely. Because you, you don't want to, um, you know, land in the place of where we're, we're all right in our own way, because mm -hmm. that's not accurate, depending on what we're talking about. Um, and 
you don't want to be afraid to challenge someone who, as you said, is, is upholding a view that's harmful to others and that, you know, without too much um, work can be, you know, legitimately challenged. And so, you know, the question is, how do you go about that? And and so I think, you know, asking questions, saying, well, have you considered, you know, uh, the view of how this might impact so and so and so, or did you know that? You know, if so, if you do it in a more sort of exploratory, you know, I wonder if versus, you know, sort of attack and you're such an idiot and here's all my facts and I'm going to hit you over the head because look how smart I am and you are so dumb to think that, you know, there, there's ways to do it that can respect the other person while calling out a view that you disagree with. I I no longer rely on exchange of facts because... <laughs> Because everybody's, everybody's bringing their own facts. He's got a pocket yeah. full of facts. Right, plenty of facts. Pregnant man gives birth. That's a fact. E- exactly. That support they cause, even though, and here's the thing, everybody believes in their facts, right? So here's a, here's a great example. There was recently a meme. Um, and I say re- this meme has been around for a, a few years, but yeah. um, it it just popped up in my feed again um, and being shared by both um, respectable like progressive celebrities and and some of my and some of my own friends as well. But it's a meme with like for the founding fathers, um, and I'm gonna pull it up here real quick um, for the uh, quotes from uh, like a few of the founding fathers that um say say things that are um what would be considered woke right now um and but the but the interesting thing about about these quotes is that the founding fathers didn't really say them mm. <laughs> um or they were they were they were taken out of context sure um in some cases or the thing they were referring to wasn't wasn't how that thing is understood right now, right? Um, sort of deal. That like there's a whole context that's that's not that's not applicable, and so, but it's but it's like you know, the response you know the comments are generally things like yeah, folks folks can't handle the facts about the founding fathers. Well, those weren't the facts, you know. So so I always encourage people anytime someone's quoting a founding father or anyone in general, yeah, look it up, cite your sources. Remember like the whole peer review study, you know, get three or four sources uh, uh, before you declare a thing as fact, right? So I don't I don't necessarily go with fact. What I go with now is tell me about how you came to that belief. One. And tell me also, what do you, what harm do you believe is being caused to you that has made you latch onto this belief or, or, you know, believes the opposite. So, um, you know, so like the whole thing uh, around like a lot of these anti-trans and anti-drag laws being passed right now, you know, what, what is it about a trans person that you, that has led you to believe that they are a harm to you. First of all, do you know any trans people? No. All right. What have what have you heard that tells you? Because because I can most the vast majority of the people who are like trying to uh, who are advocates and voices for these anti trans laws don't know any trans people. Okay. So, but 
And even if you do, you know, what is it about it that you believe is leading to this place? And, you know, they'll cite things around, you know, we got to protect our children and yada, yada, and this is harmful for children. And I was like, you know, I was having a discussion with a friend the other day and they asked me, so where do you really stand with this whole like banning trans people from sports? Because I can kind of see how sometimes it makes it can make sense. I do think it's unfair that, you know, you have a sport and, and, and you know, there's that. Uh, men are generally more muscular, more well-bit, isn't it an unfair advantage? And they said to me, they go, I am pro-trans, but in the area of sports, I think that this might be a the, the an issue, right? Mm-hmm. So, so for whatever reason, they've been led to believe that there's a sense of unfairness here. Right. Right. So my response to them was, my response to them was, okay, all things being equal, yes, you take your average, you know, 24-year-old male basketball player and your average 24-year-old female basketball player, not the same athlete on average, right? But when you start looking at things at a case-by-case basis, you can find female basketball players that are much taller and can jump higher than male basketball players. This is a a fact. If you've ever watched some WNBA games, you know, it's a fact. Plus, when you look at individual cases, you also realize that many of the trans athletes who want to compete, for example, so uh, trans women who were born biologically as men and they want to compete in in um, in the female division of sports, many of these individuals have been going through hormonal treatments um, for years, and from a literal physiological perspective, they have lost any of that muscular advantage. Mm. that they may have had before the treatment started so then if physiologically there really are no different than someone who's born female what's the issue and my friend was like okay i guess i could see that right Right. i said no yes i i could see the point of maybe if that person hasn't gone through any of that yet you know and they do have that physiological advantage i could perhaps see a point being made there, but that doesn't mean you create a law that bans everybody. Perhaps the best approach would be to take these things at a case by case basis and maybe set up some things that say like, okay, if you want to compete here, maybe, maybe what me the best approach is if you can remove that intrinsic physical advantage, however way you choose to do that, then maybe we can do that. Or maybe if anyone that you're competing with doesn't have a problem with you competing. Right. You know, are you asking the people who are involved? Like, right. And, and, and take it case by case. But I think because it's been, the narrative has been crafted in such a way to activate people's fears, then, then people latch onto the talking points. They latch onto the stance and, Therefore, it's hard to budge them from a place of, let me just share some facts with you. But but when we get into a conversation around what got you to this point, often, you know, in other cases, often there's some underlying fear there, whether it's fear of change, whether it's fear of losing a privilege or a right, whether it's a fear of some imagined horror story. Like, and if we can start really, to your point, be vulnerable about the things we are afraid of and start sharing those fears, you know, it may make us realize uh, both progressives and conservatives, how much, you know, we're driven by it. I I said to someone the other day, 
I used to just carte blanche believe in the intrinsic goodness of people. People have really tested me on that. So right now, I while there's a part of me that still believes in the intrinsic goodness of people, I also believe that people act and are motivated more by fear than that intrinsic goodness. And if we could have conversations, really more conversations, honest, vulnerable conversations about the things that frighten us, mm. you know, we might realize we've built a lot of safeguards around imagined fears and some of those safeguards are really harmful to the people we think we should be afraid of but then invariably harmful towards ourselves as well because you can't you can't harm someone without harming yourself that's yeah that's my soapbox (laughs) preach well done well said no i like that a lot and you know of course i said that um you know, a good way to engage is by asking questions. And I believe that, but then there's the old uh, Tucker Carlson uh, approach. Uh, Thinking of him today, thoughts and prayers, Um, where, where he would ask a bunch of questions that were misleading and, you know, like supporting people's fears. Like what if people coming over the border are dangerous and armed? And what if they're coming to take my jobs? And what if my children aren't safe? And then he'd say, I'm just asking questions. How long before they cut off your water and electricity, before UPS won't deliver your packages? How long until they cancel your favorite TV show and fire your favorite TV show host? And what if that TV show host is a person named Tucker Carlson? <laughs> and what if it turns out that you are Tucker Carlson and you realize mid-monologue that you're talking about yourself? What happens to you then? I like you saying misleading. He was leading them in a very specific direction. Yes. That <laughs> Those was were not calcul- misleading. Those were very leading questions. Very calculated. So that's not yes. what I'm talking about. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, you know, yes, may he rest in peace. Uh, oh, I forget said this. Was it on The Daily Show? I forget. Someone said, some comedian said, you know, really glad he got fired. But now I'm really scared because... Like, at least when he was on Fox, we knew where he was. <laughs> what, what's he going to be doing now? Like, you know, there may have been some, uh, there may have been some guardrails, not a lot, but there may have been some on Fox. Maybe that's why he took that whole question approach, because then he couldn't be accused of saying things. He was just asking questions. Right. Now he may end up in a place where he doesn't have to ask the questions. He's just going to say some shit. <laughs> right. That's true. You know, that could be true going to end up on a place is even more crazy or or, or where things going to end up he's going to start his own because the the dude's got a following he does he does as yeah. the woman who's uh was hosting the daily show uh last night said i find it strange that a network that is opposed to gender transition would cut off their own dick yes <laughs> i laughed so hard when i heard that that was a great line that was a great line um but but yeah so so it's a uh, and then, and then on the flip side, you got to talk about Don Lemon as well. It, like, you know, it's it's fascinating when you want to root for somebody, and because you know Don Lemon, black gay prominent newscaster, and you're like Don, I am rooted for you. And then this man just has a history of misogyny, and it's like, oh man, it's frustrating. What? It's it's there was nothing redeeming about Tucker Carlson. But with Don Lemon, you were like, you're checking some boxes, man. But right. come on. Right. Come on. So yeah, he 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 had to go. He was he he 
he was he was addicted in his own uh category um and it's just like yes yes black gay men can be misogynists too damn it he he, damn it thanks don (laughs) Um, oh well he'll be all right he'll be i'm not i'm not i'm not worried about him he will land on his feet or basically, I mean, he's probably made enough money to know that he doesn't. So apart, I was doing some he'll research. Make, he'll make lemonade out of he, non-lemons. There you go. Nicely, nicely done. I was doing some research and apparently he used to go around boasting whether it's true or not because of some like racial, uh, racial um, related lawsuit against Tower Records way back in the day or something. Mm. There was a massive enough settlement and he used to go around telling people like because of that settlement, I really don't have to work anymore. I, you know, I'm 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 just here because I actually love doing the job. Wow. I mean he loved being on TV and being the center of things. And apparently, look, I'm really down the squirrel rabbit hole here. Uh uh the issue with CNN with him was that he wanted to be the center of attention for a lot of things, especially anything related to to black culture, blackness, black news, and when he wasn't, and when and, and when he was passed over, especially uh, for or by a woman, that's when his misogyny panties got in a bunch, and right, yeah, and that did not that that was not sustainable at all. So, hmm. uh, both both of those people will be okay financially. I'm not I'm not worried about them, and. I think we're all better off for both of them being off the mainstream airways. They will, they undoubtedly will find some niche network uh, to land on. And, and uh, you know, related to those good conversations now uh, you know, we are in a time where if we don't like what we hear in one network, we will find the network that tells us what we want to (laughs) hear. Too true. You know, which is why I actually had to stop listening to MSNBC because like they are, you know, they're 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 like the the flip side of Fox News, something yeah. like too progressive, mm-hmm. uh, in in a sense. It's it's it's. I don't think there's any TV network that is truly unbiased at this point. So right. so like all right, basically, I get my news from the Associated Press. <laughs> yeah, I'm mostly not watching any of those channels anymore. Oh my goodness! Right. Yeah. Anywho's. We digressed. What were we talking about again? <laughs> so uh, the golden rule. Uh, the golden the, rule. The golden rule, of course, the classic principle of treating others how you want to be treated. And this um, shows up in many religious traditions. It's much reputed for being the most culturally universal ethical tenet in human history. But is it enough? Nope. Or can we do better than the golden rule? Uh, Maria Popova who says uh, that it has its shorts coming because it assumes that it mistakes the reality of yourself for the only reality, right? Treat others how you want to be treated. Well, what if someone wants to be treated the way they want to be treated? And I don't know from my experience what that is because I'm not them. So and that's so- the, that, that is the platinum rule. We, we've, we've moved on from the golden rule, my friend. We no, are- give me, give us the platinum rule. It's a platinum rule. Treat others as they would want to be treated. Bingo. That's the platinum rule, which requires full circle, good conversations and asking them and listening and listening. Often we make the assumption that we know how they want to be treated. Right. That's that's what we call paternalism. Um, 
a, a, a long running element of, of white supremacy in all its shady forms. Um, the, the idea, I, I know how you want to be treated. I know what's good and best for you. And therefore I'm not even going to waste the time asking you, I'm just going to tell you and do it. I'm just going to go ahead and do that for you. Just go and do it. I'm going, I'm going to save you from yourself. I'm just going to take care of that for you, dear. Exactly. 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 So, uh, yeah. So the platinum rule, treat others as, do unto others as they would want it done unto them. Yeah. And you gotta, and don't make the assumption that, you know, you, you, you have, you have to ask. And what comes along with that is again, the, uh, that requires great humility. Yeah. And it's harder to apply in the moment, especially when encountering a stranger who you, if you have to make a decision that doesn't give time for the background or tell me your story or, you know what I mean? Like talk about that yeah. end of scenario. So, I mean, it, it is weird because yeah, somebody might ask you, you might, you might be really genuinely interested in tell me what you need and they tell you what they need. And you're like, Whoa, I don't, that's, <laughs> That's not what I want to do. <laughs> that ain't right. Right? Like, I, I, um, hmm, what's option B? <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but there's nothing inherently wrong with that. It's, I think it's always okay to say, to say no. It's okay to say no if you are uncomfortable, but then we have to also ask the follow-up question, why am I uncomfortable? Right? Sure. Uh, why, why am I being challenged by this way of helping you the way you've been asked to be helped? So then I, so even if I don't do it in the moment, I really got to go back and take a hard look at why I said no to that. Um, and I may have a good legit reason, or I might not because maybe it pushed a you know childhood wound of mine. Maybe it's because I have some belief or maybe I am afraid because I feel I'm going to lose out. Or, you know, if I help you in this way, now I'm going to get noticed and attention and I don't want that. I just wanted to do some behind the scenes work. Um, now you're asking me to actually put some effort into something. Um, or I thought I could just throw some money at this. Now you're asking me to actually get involved. And I just wanted to be a lazy helper. <laughs> like, you know, there are a lot of reasons why we don't do why we don't help others the way they want to be helped. And yeah, so we, we got to take a, we got to take a look at that. Um, and, yeah, then and, admit, I, and then admit that we don't really want to help. Well, that certainly could be the case. Absolutely. Um, and, and we might signal that not wanting to help by not wanting to take the time to get to know that person or to hear what it is they really want, because the shortcut is I know what I would want in this situation. I'll just do that. And, you know, there are some basic settings where that's a good sort of guess guesstimate starting point. Like probably this person doesn't want me to steal the parking spot that they've been waiting for, but I was able to slip in ahead of them or, you know, basic courtesy things. Okay. You know, that's fine. But there are deeper things that do require us to, set ourselves aside, take the time to get to know them, hear them out, listen, try to understand, and then try to be responsive to whatever it is they say. But, but I've got to go watch episode five of succession. Like I ain't got, I ain't got time to help people. I <laughs> well, that's fair. You know, how you, just, yeah. Because it comes back around how I want to be treated is by not helping you because I was already going to do 
Exactly. Exactly. Why is it I, always the go, the golden rule or platinum rule for you? What about can, can we claim the thing I, for ourselves? I just want to be left alone. Go watch TV. Treat treat me that way. That's right. Hey, it's just platinum rule. What's a what's above platinum? Let's just let's just all leave each other alone. Oh my god! That titanium. That titanium. Let's just yeah. Just leave me alone. Oh, oh my goodness. You know, it's so this is an interesting conversation, especially in the light of uh, was it last week? All of these shootings that happened of people who were just mistakenly in the wrong place, right? Oh so we got we got the young, the the young uh Yarl, the young uh black kid in Kansas City, uh, yeah. my old neck of the woods, yeah. um, who basically got shot for ringing the doorbell of the wrong house. We got the the young white girl who 20 years old turning around in the parking lot and somebody runs out firing. Didn't even uh, get out of the car. Didn't even get out of the car, right? Uh, we got the cheerleaders uh, who accidentally got in the wrong car because they thought it was their car. Oh, and while gosh. apologizing to get out and say, oh, sorry, we got the wrong car. Dude pulls out a gun, starts firing. No, I, mean, I missed that one. Jeez. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't hear about the cheerleaders? Oh, yeah. 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 I missed that um, one. Um, she wasn't. I don't think it, I don't think I'm misremembering. I don't think anyone was killed, but severe injuries. Maybe one of them was killed. But anyways, um, uh, but yeah, so so we have this we, we're getting to this place where, again, so motivated by fear that and then that fear reinforced by easy access to guns and also laws that say you have a right when you feel afraid and threatened to shoot first, ask questions later, you know, these stand your ground laws, horrible doctrine, laws, you know, hor- horrible laws. So now we have this, we're, 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 we're more and more creating this culture where we don't want to take the time to have the conversation, right? We don't want to have to take the time to say, I don't recognize this car in my driveway. Perhaps this person is lost let me go find out right. or maybe just wait a beat. Let's see if they pull out of the driveway. Right. Right. You know, we don't, we, we, that, that, and, and, and what makes it worse now is that because of that, because of that mentality, now people are going to go like, well, I should go get a gun in case I ever end up in the wrong place accidentally oh. and ring the house, ring the doorbell of the, of the wrong house if the homeowner pulls a gun on me now i can defend myself by pulling my gun out and now we're all we're all shooting at each other now it spirals into worseness exactly right and it's 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 so sad to see it to see it happening there's a part of me that keeps wanting to believe, of course, that this is not the norm, that we always we always hear about the worst of the news stories, right? right? That this is not the norm. I, I have been in plenty of situations where I have walked up to the wrong house, knocked on the doorbell, knocked on the door, rang the doorbell. I'm looking for this address, right. you know, and mind you, listen. I understand why that kid got lost because if you've ever been to Kansas City, it's 115th Street. The next block over is 115th Terrace, 115th Avenue, like same street numbers. 
different names and it is right. confusing as hell. Yeah. Right. I'm sure there are plenty of other places like that. But no time in my life have I walked up to the wrong house, rang the doorbell, and the person starts shooting at me, or they answered the door with a gun in their hand, right? Or whatever. Has it has it been a case where, yeah, I hear I hear the screen door locking and then the, the the inside me or the inside main door will open and then like they see me and they lock the screen door before asking what do you want like right. I've had that happen okay right. I'm like sure a black man in a white neighborhood yeah I'll roll my eyes but whatever I understand um but but to to be at this place where we are literally shooting first and asking questions later if we ask questions at all is not a good place to be. Yeah, and in those settings, okay, golden rule would be a good starting point. Would you not want to get shot if you were exactly. lost? Then don't shoot someone else. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, uh, another another Daily Show bit, uh, I have to remember that, that one couple, again, I don't remember where it was, but like it was a Black Lives Matter protest going down their street and they were standing outside with their guns going to go protecting their protecting their house yeah. right because it was through like a gated neighborhood or something sure so they were protecting their guns <laughs> and i forget who it was in the daily show i think it was maybe jordan clapper he was like i never thought i'd say this but they didn't fire their guns be like them right <laughs> right, right. <laughs> We've gotten to the point where the racist white folks standing outside with their guns as the Black Lives Matter protests walk by. That's the bar now. That's yeah, that's the model for the other white right? folks who might consider shooting. Yeah, stand with your gun, but don't shoot until someone's coming for you. Like the in the in the insanity, the insanity of it. But but you're right. We don't have the golden rule. I think we have, you know, a couple steps below that. What is a what is an insignificant metal, like even lower than bronze, like copper, nickel, nickel. You know, no, you get a lot of money for copper these days. Maybe not copper. People people be stealing. People tin. be stealing copper and tin. The tin rule. The tin rule is the tin rule. Do do unto them before they get the chance to do it unto me. <laughs> right? Yes, that that is That's right. Where we're at. That is where we're at. And it's just, it's awful. It is, it is awful. And again, it is, it is, it is honestly those, you know, when in, in the, the work that I do as an anti-racist educator for um, Project Sanctus is my platform. Shameless plug, projectsanctus.com. Uh, one of the things we always tell people is that um, the, the, the ideologies that, that fuel like patriarchy and capitalism and, and white supremacy, they haven't gone away. They just keep mutating, right? And the, and the, the latest mutation, right, is, is the idea that, for example, in the, in the shooting in Kansas City, this 85-year-old man who reportedly ended up watching more and more Fox News over these years, the, that narrative of black bodies are um, bigger, stronger, more harmful, therefore need to be dealt with more harshly, goes all the way back to the days of enslavement, right? right. And, and that core kernel idea has not shifted. It just shows up in different ways. Mm. How does it show up in different ways? We have, this is why we have disproportionately more people of color 
being harmed, shot, killed by law enforcement, because that's the narrative in law enforcement. And what is it that that policemen who get charged, or if they make it that far, um, almost exclusively say, I felt my life was at risk. Right? You know, you know, uh, uh, because because this person seemed so big and strong, which is maybe yeah. why you shouldn't have a loaded weapon. Can we just just have- maybe? Just maybe, where right? it's a so, non-lethal weapon. So what did this 85-year-old man in Kansas City say? I open the door and there's a six-foot-tall black man. Like, it's a 5'8", which is my height, 5'8", 16-year-old scrawny kid, right. you know? And it's like, but but because the narrative of being taught to fear black bodies has persisted, just shows up in different ways, but it persists now He's seeing something that is not there and he's seeing himself being threatened right. and afraid for his life. Now, granted, the kid played bass clarinet. And I don't know if you ever heard a student play clarinet before, but as a former music teacher, yes, I sometimes have feared for my life when students play clarinet. It's not <laughs> an easy instrument to play. And when you don't do it well, it is it will grate on your nerves like nails on a chalkboard, right? But no gun needs to be involved in that. Scenario. No gun needs to be involved. And it wasn't that the kid showed up wielding the bass clarinet threatening to play, right? It was right. Like, right. We didn't have that situation. Right. So we really have to when we talk about about these rules, golden rule, platinum rule, all this stuff, what it basically we have to really realize is part of that conversation is 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 asking ourselves, what is it that deep down, I believe that I don't even know that I believe. Mm. And the only way we get to the root of that is by talking with other people, especially people who don't look like us or believe the same things and, and noticing when we get, when we get triggered by, by some stuff. Right. And then go like, well, is it really reasonable for me to be afraid of this should i really be afraid of black bodies or is it just that this under this this american culture that has always pushed that message i've internalized it and don't even know i've internalized it thinking i don't but then all of a sudden unconsciously you know yeah some black dude i don't know shows up at my door and all of a sudden i am afraid and i start popping off some bullets that's why us white folks have a lot of work to do a lot of work to do, and that's you know, understating it. <laughs> it is, it is under, it is understating it. Um, and, and in a weird way, um, well, I won't, I won't use grateful, but in a, because the shootings that happened with all these people, they were not limited. I was actually kind of glad they weren't limited to just white shooters and black victims. Right. Because what it's telling what I hope the takeaway that everybody gets from this is this is an issue that regardless of that underlying uh, messages perpetuated for hundreds and hundreds of years, because of the system that we have built around that fear, it's now harming everyone, everyone. What? No one is safe because of the culture of being afraid of other people, which really stems from how do we control black bodies? Like that's where it came from. Yep. And now it's killing white bodies, it's killing black bodies, it's killing Latin bodies, male bodies, female bodies, trans bodies. Everybody is now uh, baby bodies. Like the you know school mass school mass shootings. Everyone is being and and all. It doesn't. It's not just 
Democrats or Republican kids being shot up. Everybody right. across the board, right? right. This, everybody is being harmed by these laws that are grounded in the fear of other. And yep. until we really listen to people who say, I don't want this, right? So when you look at what happened in Tennessee and, you know, uh, when you poll people around, and we've talked about this before, when you poll people around gun control and gun safety and all that, the vast majority of people, regardless of their political affiliation, want more laws, yes. want more safety things in place. Yep. And it just boggles my mind that they keep electing people who aren't listening. So how do we have a good conversation? Well, or they're listening to the highest bidder. <laughs> good point. Good, good point. Right. Good, good point. Yeah. Good point. So we should pool all resources and buy them off. Even if we do that, we, we, we're not going to, we're not going to have that much money. <laughs> no, we're not. Oh man. We're not going to have that much money. It's, it, it can be so frustrating, but I think, I think there's hope. I think there's hope because because it is affecting all of us. This is no longer, you know, especially with the gun violence issue, this is no longer a black white issue. It's no longer a, you know, red blue political issue. It's no longer another issue or a Southern issue. It's everybody's being affected by it. Yeah. And we're seeing, especially younger generations, like take, take ownership of this issue and speaking out and demanding change. And it's going to take that. It is. It is. It is. Change. Change will come a few deaths at a time, unfortunately. Mm. And with people living longer and longer, it's just taking longer. <laughs> oh man! Oh, I'm gonna get some letters on that one. We're grateful for our listeners of all ages. <laughs> we 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 are. We we are. Uh, that was that was more. That was more of a. That was more of a plea for term limits. There you go. There you go. I can save myself. Right. Good save. It's not about not about the age of the person. It's about it's about term limits. Some some people just not need to be there that long. No doubt. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, So yes, I hope we can have more and more good conversations, um, and we can do pub theology is a great venue. It's a great venue uh, to have that. Not not just here, but create your own pub theology um gatherings and groups and if you don't know what to talk about you can visit pubtheology.com and every week brian puts out some questions just like these that you can sit and talk with folks banter with folks get to know your neighbors get to know your friends by inviting them to come over have a beer Uh, thank you for tuning in to this episode and you can show your love for us and help us do this some more by becoming a supporter on a Patreon. Get free and post your banter. Visit patreon.com slash pglife to get started. Uh, listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. And top cities this week, Frankfurt, Germany. Oh, we're going international. Uh, bring us over for Oktoberfest. We would love to have a Pub Theology Oktoberfest special we would. in Germany. So there you go. German listeners, bring it over. Seattle, Washington, and Holland, Michigan. You think Nicole Kidman's listening? Hmm. Hey, you never know. Want you never know. Uh, she she paid a visit to Holland this week, shooting a movie there. Uh, more 
more discussion on that in the pre-show. Um, you can watch a video of these conversations on Facebook Live, uh, generally Tuesdays at 1 p.m.-ish Eastern time. Some flexibility there. And like I mentioned before, support to start your own pub theology gatherings are at pubtheology.com. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Well, listen, man. Welcome back to the states. Thank you, uh, thank you. And we'll uh, we'll chat soon.